Hello, everybody. I'm Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I'm here with you today from my new digs. I just moved in yesterday. So I have an, a new backdrop, which is just makeshift. It might not be what I have next week or even tomorrow. And around me, surrounding me are boxes. So my pleasure today is going to be within this screen and behind me talking to this delightful guest that I have today, Laura Zam, who is the author of The Pleasure Plan, One Woman's Search for Sexual Healing. Laura is also a sex educator, a trauma professional, and I love this one, a pleasure warrior. I feel the same, and I'm so thrilled that you are here and that we can finally talk and um, converse about pleasure. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much. It's so happy to be here. Thank you, Pasha. Yes, I'm thrilled. I, I feel like you're my first guest because I feel like this is just a whole new beginning for me in so many ways. And um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a more raw season um, and truthful and unfiltered and untamed and all the things that Yay. I know that you, yeah, that you uh, participate in as well. So yes, we'll have a juicy conversation about pleasure and trauma and everything in between. <laughs> so you wrote a book um, and it's called The Pleasure Plan. Can you, can you tell us about the, that journey of the book and, and why you wanted to write that particular book? Sure. Well, I got married for the first time when I was 46 after three decades desperately searching for love. Mm. And I was so thrilled to have a partner finally and everything was great except I had six kinds of sex problems that were associated with childhood sexual abuse and they were not a surprise but they started to worsen as soon as I got married. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really talk about what was going on. I I just, it was just a part of me and I felt broken and I didn't feel like there was any hope. And so I didn't have language and I certainly didn't understand what the problem really was. Mm -hmm. But I decided one day I was just gonna challenge my shame. And I went on this very extensive healing journey. In five years, I worked with 15 different kinds of practitioners and I tried 30 different healing modalities. And in essence, I studied the cutting edge of trauma recovery, female sexuality, and healthy relationships. And I cured myself this way. And then I went on a mission to help other women get the information, the pleasure, the passion, the intimacy, and the aliveness that, they, that, that we all deserve. Mm. Beautiful. It's always so beautiful when we take our deepest wounds or pain points or shame points, and then we, through service to others and all this relentless, you know, discovery of, of pleasure practices, you could turn it into something so beautiful and healing. And is the book specifically for women who have experienced sexual trauma or beyond? Beyond. So in the book, I, the context is my sexual trauma, but the real journey is figuring out these different kinds of sex problems, including 
eventually I learned there's hormonal based things as I'm, I'm entering perimenopause and then menopause. But in addition to that, I have three different kinds. I had three different kinds of pelvic pain, issues with desire, with arousal, with orgasm. So there were a lot of different, a lot of different strands that I had to separate and, and really yes. figure out. And 30 different modalities later, which modality do you feel like made the most um, transformation for you? Well, late in my journey, or I'd say the latter half of my journey, I started to really focus more on just pleasure education as opposed to earlier in the book where I'm looking at the, the trauma piece and, and how to heal that. Anyway, when I was studying pleasure really intensively, I came upon these different women. They themselves are pleasure warriors and they were teaching female sexuality, optimizing female sexuality. So in the book, I attend a, a naked weekend workshop with Betty Dodson, who passed away um, recently in October. But she was an icon who had been leading these work masturbation workshops, interactive masturbation workshops since the 70s with a mission, strong mission to teach women female pleasure. And I took one of her workshops. I was lucky enough to do that. Mm -hmm. So you really get into the nitty gritty and you, she teaches a specific technique and you try it out there in the moment in this circle with other women mm -hmm. en masse. Uh, but there are cookies in the pantry afterwards. So <laughs> we'll masturbate in public for cookies. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, it just all goes together. You know, <laughs> it's part of female sexuality. Pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Pleasure. And I'm curious. I'm of course, you know, transporting myself into that situation in my head. And I'm thinking how much uh, talking and connecting and um, trust building has to take place. How did she do that? How, how did, how did that happen? Where in a group you felt comfortable and safe? Pleasure. That's a good question. Well, I think, you know, she was such an icon. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just anybody off the street. I mean, she was one of the people who invented second wave feminism. So yes. she was right there in the center of the action since the 70s. And so just knowing that she was a, a reputable person and an important person in, in this field. But what she did was on day one, so you, you have to disrobe as soon as you enter her apartment. That's where she was holding it. And so you take off your clothes in the hallway and then you enter the temple and there are these backjack chairs and you're sitting there and there are these other naked women and it is, I felt very self-conscious, of course, but after a while, it just becomes normalized. Uh, in the first day, particularly, we're just talking about our sex lives, all of us, and we're finding all this common ground. And, and of course, you know, people have a lot of shared experiences in terms of not feeling like we are connected to our bodies, not liking the way that our bodies look, um, a history of trauma, being with partners who have experienced trauma, feeling like we want more out of our sexual lives, but not quite sure what that is or how to 
how to achieve that. So I think there was so much commonality and the fact that we were already naked was um, just, I don't know, it just, it lended itself to people starting to feel very, very comfortable. And at the end, toward the end of that first day, you do what she calls show and tell, which sounds like, oh my gosh, how are you going to do it? But by that point, you're just like, okay, I'm going to do it. You show people your vulva. You sit in the chair and everybody scoots up closely. And, um, you know, and then Betty talks about your vulva and, you know, oh, look at this color and, oh, isn't this interesting? Look at how the inner lips, look at their relationship to the outer lips and, and oh, isn't this so interesting how, how this is, how the folds are, are here. And, you know, and she was very interested in um, empowering women around the way that we look and, and not feeling ashamed and, and certainly not feeling that we're ugly or deformed, which she found was something, well, she said that that was the norm she felt in the 70s, but that it never went away, that mm-hmm. women felt like they were really ugly, quote unquote, down there. And, um, you know, and, and also not normal in this way. So she was very much about empowering that. So that was only one of the many (laughs) pleasure experiences I did. But I found these women, a lot of them were postmenopausal women who were teaching pleasure. And they were, I I don't, I call them goddess crones. I I just felt like it was, um, it was a very interesting thing because in my book, I talk about how there's something um, very healing about these women coming in, swooping in, in a way, and healing parts of the body that were that were harmed, especially if, well, not especially, harmed by anyone and harmed at any point in this woman's life, that there was something almost like midwifery, you know, where you've got these these wisdom wisdom-filled women who come in with their herbs and their pulstices and their and their knowledge and they're going to put hands on yes. and they're going to they're going to heal in this very very active way. Mm-hmm. I felt very healed by this feminine energy. It wasn't a sexualized thing despite the fact that I'm masturbating on the floor in Betty's apartment. Um it was this very like a feminine healing that was counterbalancing the the abuse which was at the hands of a man it was there was just something really that clicked for me yeah it sounds much more soulful than sexual there's a returning to yourself and a reclaiming of your your power your body and your desire i would imagine there were many women and perhaps you were triggered by the sexual traumas in the past and I'm curious how you have worked through triggers when they pop up or how you've noticed other wise women um, work through their triggers yeah it's a great question Pasha so I, I was starting to with with this kind of pleasure education I got really determined and I took these kinds of risks because I felt like, well, I don't want this information hidden from me. I deserve the right to 
to heal myself and get all the information I need, even if I have to be naked. So there was another workshop that I took. I said there were like several experiences like this. And in that workshop, which is touted by many to be a, a very, very healing experience for survivors, I got triggered by this experience. Mm. And I felt that it was, um, it just, it just, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe in that environment. And so I needed to, um, well, there was an exercise that was supposed to be done naked. And I was like, no, no, I, I'm not going to do that. But I wanted to learn the technique anyway. So I said, oh, well, can I keep my yoga pants on? And and they actually, the woman, one of the facilitators, she, she kind of shamed me. She's like, well, you know, so many women are healed by this and kind of like gaslighting me. Like, what's your problem? And I said, I don't feel safe. I should have left. But I really <laughs> I paid and I wanted to. Right, right, I know. And my husband was with me and it a, was a particular technique about how to stroke the clitoris and I wanted him to learn. And so I'm like, you know, I'm here, you know, I bet I want to, I want to get my money's worth here. <laughs> I just don't want to like have an orgasm here in this room with other people. Cause that was the setup. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, so I had to listen to myself. What is that? Was this the orgasmic meditation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you, have you I, done it? No, I've heard you speak about it. And so I was just trying to connect the dots because um, I know you've tried so many things. I was trying to research how many things, research what you researched. And I, I couldn't keep up. You've done so much work. And what made you so relentlessly um, fierce about this search? Like, why was it so important for you to access pleasure and orgasms? Because people have relationships with themselves and others and marriages are not without any pleasure or orgasm, but you really wanted to make sure this was part of your life. I did. Um, there's a, a couple of things at play. So one of them that's important is that I'm the daughter of a Holocaust survivor and my mother survived the war obviously, but, uh, but her, her parents were, and her siblings, three of her siblings were killed. And I always felt a great responsibility to make the most of my life To It's like my life needs to be um, big enough in some way to encompass those lives that we're not allowed, that we're not able to, um, to continue. People were not able to live out their potential. And so I feel a very profound responsibility to realize my potential. So I think that a lot of my drive when it came to this was about, I want to know the best of life. This is an important part. And then in addition to that, I believe that it's my activism and a, and a lot of it is where the emotions of my uh, emotions connected to my abuse live. Mm. So there's, for me, the fuck you is it's um it's not so much um it's not so much like in the street fighting the patriarchy it's like um i want to know i have the right to reclaim this for myself or claim it for the first time yeah. fuck you you're not going to take this away from me yes 
So to me, that's, um, yeah, so uh, that's a lot of where my, my activism and even my anger lives in this determination. Yeah, yeah, there's some grief and rage behind that. Definitely. And inherited inherited trauma and inherited wisdom behind it um, and such a responsibility. And are there days where that feels like too heavy or of a load to carry that that responsibility of um, generations of women who weren't able to receive pleasure and that you're then reclaiming it, not just for yourself, but for them as well, it sounds like. Yeah, it doesn't feel heavy at all. It feels kind of the opposite because it's it's about, okay, well, I'm, I need to make the, mes- the most of my day. How can I make the most of my day? And so it's, it relieves the heaviness, it relieves the busyness and the, and the stress because it's like, well, I've got to, I'm doing it for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I need to have this cup of tea. It's for all of us. It's such a tribute. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, it's, it's such a powerful message. And when I, when I watch your work, sometimes you offer very practical, um, ideas and gifts such as creating a naughty goodie bag. I saw your video on that. And um, it's fascinating to me. And I think my work is similar where, yes, you're talking about a naughty goodie bag and maybe a lacy bra or a candle or a vibrator. And you're coming at it through the lens of the Holocaust and grief and rage and fear and uh, and I'm accessing my pleasure through grief and fear about my son's illness. And so a very dark place that's made survivable and thrivable, if that's even a word, through the pleasure. Um, so when you present something like the naughty goodie bag, is, is that just a like a higher vibration that you almost use to get through a day that would otherwise be um, difficult? Um, well, the naughty goodie bag is really more about reconnecting or connecting for the first time to a person's sensuality, which can be really dormant. Mm-hmm. And so, and for people who don't know, haven't seen this little video and it's in actually this, um, I've got a, a, a guide, a, oh, okay. a, a guide that, uh, that people can download a free guide that includes the naughty goodie bag and other other techniques. I call them 12 playful, powerful rituals. So it's these are kind of rituals to just connect with, with ourselves. Yes. And so in answer to your question, I, it, the I, inspiration came there and, and on the surface, they're all about connecting or reconnecting to our, our sensuality. But as you were saying, Pasha, the context is, well, what is it that's not that's preventing us and and maybe what's preventing us might be very difficult emotions maybe crises we're going through maybe we have been very very burnt out or or hurt by by things that have happened to us and so there is a kind of reclamation of the life energy generally that I'm, I'm talking about with regard to, to sensuality because I think sensuality is a linchpin, mm. really is a linchpin for this 
uh, expansive, like full throttled uh, um, aliveness. Mm, beautiful. Do you, who do you feel inspired by now? I know Betty Dobson, you said it was, um, was your workshop facilitator at the time. Are there certain books or people that currently you follow for inspiration or rejuvenation when you, when you find you need that extra little nudge? <laughs> yeah, there's, um, I'm trying to look, I've got these books. I've got a stack of books right here, <laughs> right, right above me. So there's, um, you know, there's so many really cool women who are in this space yeah. who are, who are doing fascinating and, and very helpful work. So there's Mama Gina also real, she's known by Mama Gina, real name is Regina Thomas Hauer. Yes. And she's, um, she's very iconic herself in terms of teaching women about pleasure and owning their sensuality. Yes, I refer to Mama Gina's work at all. She wrote, uh, for those that are listening, Pussy, A Reclamation. And um, I really appreciate that her work is about, you know, falling back in love with yourself, having an affair with yourself, treating yourself well, even outside of any sexual pleasure, you know, it, treat yourself like you would your favorite dinner guest coming over. Um, so it's very accessible. And I thought her book was easy to um, read, easy to follow, uh, but a lifetime of work. <laughs> to do in a mindset wise. Um, yes, yes. It's a real shift in mindset, mm. really shift in mindset. I took, she, she was doing these free workshops. They were teasers for her mastermind. And I did it two or three times. I wrote about uh, one of them in the book. And there's a woman, uh, actually, this is in the book too, but I, I think it's so clearly encapsulates what's happens in a Mama Gina workshop. There's a woman there who said, I've got, I've got a master's or I've got two masters and a PhD and I'm smarter than any, everyone I work with. I'm fucking brilliant. And I'm tired of pretending I'm not. Mm. And we were all like up on our feet, you know, like, <laughs> you go, <laughs> you go, you go. Yes. Bragging, bragging, right? Yeah, she does a lot of bragging, but just this ability to really be your your full shiny self, you know, yeah. and not feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got to like dim my light. I don't want to, I don't want to offend. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, you know, um, especially like uh, tiptoeing around the male ego and oh my God, I can't, I, I can't really Mm -hmm. you know, shine here. I've got to make sure that the men in the room feel good about themselves. Um, I don't want to be seen as a bitch. I don't want to be seen yeah. as smarty pants. I mean, you know, we, we carry a lot of, uh, I believe, a, a, a lot of messages that we can't really be, we can't be our full shiny selves. Right. And, and to that point, I know so many women who are almost nervous to do some of this work because they know that there's such a part of themselves that has been dormant that once you let it out, once you let the, the pleasure and speaking your truth and reclaiming your desire, you might find that you're more expansive than your current relationships allow. And, and then there might be a process of um, transitioning or even losing people, but the other side of it would be keeping it in holding it secret, playing small and, um, 
and I think you and I talked about this, how holding the secrets of any kind of any of our truth could create uh, illness in the body. Right. It kills and, us. Yes. It can kill us. Yeah. Yes. You mentioned a particular book about speaking truths through writing and opening up about trauma. Um, can you tell us really quickly about that, that book that you referred to? Yeah. So there's two books actually, and I'm happy to provide the, the links in Thank the show you. notes or whatever you yeah, have. There's a book called Writing as a Way of Healing mm. um, by a woman named Louise DeSalvo. And uh, it's a pretty fascinating book. She's metabolizing a lot of the data that's come out in the last really 30 to 40 years around this. But one of the researchers that, that's very prominent in her book is this guy named James Pennebacher. And, or maybe Pennebaker, I'm not sure how he pronounces his name, actually, I should, I should find out. But anyway, his book is here and uh, I can give you the notes and you can look him up, but um, he's got some fascinating research he's doing where in a nutshell, finding that when people do not express what's going on inside of them and he recommends writing about mm -hmm. this in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. But if we don't get this out of us in some way yes. that it, uh, it really does hurt our health and he has all kinds of studies around this. And yeah. the contrary is true that when you do talk about this, you improve your health, your immunity function literally uh, goes up. So there's a, a lot to this. Yes, uh, and, very and interesting. We're holding up in case people were just listening oh. is opening up by writing it down. Correct. Um, and I love that there's this is my book, which I haven't held up yet. I'm gonna hold up any of my people. I'm gonna hold up my book too. Yeah, you do. The Pleasure Plan. Well bragged. Yes. Yes. So good. I, you know, for some it's going to be writing, and for others it'll be speaking or podcasting or or comedy or journaling or gardening or dancing or singing. And so um, I always say, you know, whatever it is, all these truths, like, allow it to come out somehow, right? Even if screaming, even if you're not saying the words, like allow the emotion to, to bubble up and to, yes. and then to release it. And hopefully people have a safe and empathetic sisterhood or relationship that allows them to fully uh, safely you know, express himself. So, so yes, you have a new partner and he is on this journey with you now. Had you done all of those pleasure practices and 30 modalities prior to meeting him? No, no, no. I did it because of him because I got married and oh, okay. Yeah. I got married and I was dysfunctional <laughs> and I, He's really been on this journey with you the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely has. And it it continues. You know, it really changed fundamentally the way that we respond to each other sexually because we just, uh, I, I just incorporated all of this wisdom into, mm. um, into okay, well, this is the way that I, I need to approach my sexual relationship with you and can we create something that that really um mm -hmm. that has this as as a big part of the foundation and what i when i'm talking about specifically is that 
me, what I want out of this? What are, what, how do I want this to proceed? What do I want lovemaking to look like? Um, what are the activities that I want? What time of the day, which days, how off? I wanted all of that to be there as, as part of this. And I, I found for myself a big part of the problem. And I find this definitely with my clients, a big part of the problem what we often term low libido, what the women think is low libido, is that they just don't like what's coming at them at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> after a long day. Mm. Yes. It's not, sex is not on their terms. Mm -hmm. And even the way that we teach consent is along these lines. It's, it's, it's very limited in terms of empowering women because it's like, well, yay or nay, do you want this or not? As opposed to, hey, I don't want to just be in a situation where I'm responding, reacting to what you're offering me. I get to write the menu. I get to write the menu with you. I'm, I'm not just saying if I want the items that you're currently offering me at an inopportune time. <laughs> yes, yes, you're co-creating it together. And, right. and, um, and is he equally empowered to say, this is what he wants or this is what his menu is this evening? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, but I think that, and that's been, you know, completely, you know, it, it revolutionized the way that we work together in this way. And it certainly revolutionized what I teach and, and um, yeah, and even how I teach, because I felt that this empowerment piece was often missing. Mm. And um Yes, but it is it is a, a co-creation. It's not just okay. Well, now I get to be the one who dictates everything. It's just having having uh, having our everyone's voice in the room to really figure this out together and to achieve this mutual pleasure. Hmm. Beautiful. And do you work with couples often? I don't work with couples that often. No, I work mostly with individuals. Mm -hmm. I have worked with couples, but for the most part, my clients are women who have something that they're trying to achieve. And a lot of the work that I do with them is solo, even if they're in a, a long-term relationship, because there's a reclamation, I believe, that needs to happen that is... Um, that doesn't involve the pressure that a part or the expectations that a partner may present. So it's not, it's not like a person has to stop having sex with her husband in order to take a workshop with me, but I do recommend certain practices that she do on her own. Let's say if I'm doing an eight week course, she might spend the a half of that four weeks of that, just really gently get finding this connection to herself in a really authentic way so that that can be the foundation she can take to her partner. Because otherwise, there's too much of a tendency to, uh, to pretend. Mm -hmm. To pretend that there's more enthusiasm than there is to fake orgasm, to um, pretend even, you know, even small things like to... Um, you know, like, oh, this is what a look a woman looks like when she's aroused. These are the kinds of things. Oh, I, I'm supposed to wear this kind of lingerie mm -hmm. and arch my back. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not authentic. It may not be really what's 
what's stimulating or satisfying for her. It's just an idea of what it is. And so we've got to like pull things back and just really find what is it that you like? Where does pleasure live for you individually divorced from that? Yes, yes. I know for myself, when I went through that process, I realized that I, I didn't want to participate in sex with my partner. I, I kind of took intimacy off the table for a little bit while I was doing that self-exploration work. And um, it just was the space I was in. But then I also, in that work, realized that I hadn't even explored a part of my sexuality that, that I hadn't allowed myself to even explore. And so recently coming out as, as bisexual, but that process was only because I took the time to really listen to what is it that I desire. So I'm curious with your work, if that comes up often as women start to reclaim their bodies, um, do you find that that sexuality evolves or expands? Is that a common occurrence? <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, um, yeah, it may be, a, uh, it, it's common in, in my work. I find that people want to explore different kinds of relationships, maybe polyamory, maybe bisexuality, um, maybe uh, kink, you know, just like a real expansion because now there's, they're starting to feel a freedom to explore that, that potential. And I think a lot of women are interested in their sensual potential that they maybe they've been made to feel, we've been made to feel, oh, okay, this isn't important. We don't have to really see how far this can go for us. I mean, by far, I don't mean out there as much as realizing our, ourselves in this way, developing ourselves the way we might develop any part of our lives. Yes, yes, beautiful. Oh, and there's so many directions to go with pleasure. I, I know I feel like I could talk about um, pleasure practices, but also the, the trauma responses. You have such a broad uh, wealth of knowledge and experience in this. I know you're doing some workshops coming up. Uh, do you want to tell us about those in case people want to find you? Yeah, sure. So I have a new workshop or it's a, an online course that I'm launching in the next few weeks. It's called the Libido Lab. Mm. And it's, it's a mini course. It's uh, just an hour of content, although there's homework. So it's meant to be really uh, experienced with that homework. So it becomes really very experiential, but it's teaching women how to have a libido. What I found was that libido is a skill that can be taught. And I wanted to teach those skills. There's also a lot of misinformation about what female sexual desire is and isn't. So it's, it's um, yeah, getting, getting clear on that and then teaching these very concrete uh, skills and uh, tools. So I've got that that's going to be come up. And then I'm, I'm launching a, a big comprehensive uh, eight-week course, which is right now working title is, uh, is Reach Your Sensual Potential. Nice. Uh, and it, it encompasses, uh, some of it encompasses libido, but then it, it's far beyond that in terms of communication with a partner, in terms of um, developing our sensuality so that we can have uh, an ongoing relationship with it. It's a lot of problem solving with regard to the different obstacles that come up. It's understanding our resistance. It's developing daily habits that keep that connection alive. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, um, 
And ultimately what people do is they develop a pleasure plan journal. Mm -hmm. Of course, inspired by, um, by the title of my book and basically this larger framework of, oh, okay, well, this is something that I'm going to, um, I'm gonna create my own pleasure plan, ongoing adventures that are going to develop this part of myself. So they end the course having this pleasure plan journal that has all the component parts so they can continue that exploration forever, really. Yeah. What a wonderful um, offer and, and practice that is. I, I, I will definitely post the, the links and, and whatnot to, to your book, to the programs that, and the ebook that you mentioned, yes. um, and then the other resources. Uh, yes. I, I feel like I want to have you on every single month because I have so many things I want to ask you and talk to you about. And I truly appreciate that you're another midlife woman going through menopause and um, and not a highly um, sexualized um, a, a appearance, you know, that's so Sorry. many. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought Sorry. your husband was going to make an appearance. I thought he was going to do it. He was, but he was trying to communicate with me. Guest, there was like a guest camo that he could cameo that he was gonna do. He's gonna pop in and say, Hey, I'm here. I heard this whisper. He's like, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> well, we made it the whole time without a husband or a child <laughs> popping into the screen. So we should count our blessings on that. And um, and thank you so much. Thank you so much, Laura, for, for oh, doing this. Today. Thank you, Pash, and thank you for the work you're doing. It's so important and you're just this bright light of wisdom and inspiration. I'm, and I'm, I'm just, yeah, so happy for you. Now you've got like this new beginning with this, this new space. And that's always, uh, yeah, always gives us like a new burst of energy to create yes. uh, a new phase. Yeah, it's exciting to think about what new um, rituals I could create in this new home. Um, and also just colors and I'll probably do a podcast in every corner of the house to to see what feels right but today this was the quietest corner I could find in a in a little uh snap so so yes thank you and um I feel like we're both you know riding on the uh tales of just generations of strong warrior goddess women um yes what do you call them warrior crones what did you oh did yeah you yeah um goddess crones goddess crones yes yes that finally now at 50 makes sense you know and and i honor <laughs> it i i want to finally now understand women from my past uh i hmm. like as if i'm finally maturing enough to realize their their wisdom is so important and of course now that they're not in this physical world i have to speak with them on a more spiritual and soulful basis but i feel yeah. like the work we're doing we're connecting with them and hmm. um and being inspired by them and that's beautiful yeah such a pleasure thank you thank you laura and if anyone wants to continue the conversation with me feel free to Check out my website, pashamarlo.com, but also in my links, I provide a free 30 minute uh, liberation call, I call it. So Ooh. I would love to talk to you, yeah, and hear your story and talk to you about pleasure and how we can sneak it in. I sometimes say, how can we sprinkle pleasure into even the more challenging or darkest of days? So wow. I'm honored to, to be here and to do this podcast and to spread 
spread the pleasure word and the pleasure revolution to, to all women. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Okay.